Shout to the latest internet sensation. Nine. We are YOLO. YOLO. Can I say hi? Hi. Seven. I think we need to stick to a plan. Six. I just got bitten by a bullet. I don't even think Five. I have to react to that one. This Four. is Triple M's Summer Breakfast. <laughs> with Seb Costello and Lawrence Murray. And you'll notice uh, it is Friday. I am wearing long pants today. It's long pants Friday. Does that mean you got a lift into work? That does mean I got a lift into work because uh, something happened to my bicycle yesterday. It's a long and ugly story. Uh, but th- what you know, the back gears, mm. and you've got that little bit underneath with a tiny cog. Someone kicked it. So it was bent out of shape. People don't like bike riders. And uh, someone had vandalised that, just walking past had decided to to boot it hard where was the bike when it was destroyed well you know interesting you should mention this uh because this has become an infamous area over the last few days it was in the chapel street precinct it's all going on down there it's a hotbed of death threats and violence and bike (laughs) vandalism Beware the chopsticks. Absolutely. Uh, so the Chapel Street Precinct, I mean, maybe there's a spokesperson for the Chapel Tr- Street Precinct that we need to speak to. Somebody rolling out of 161 or <laughs> Revolver right now that could maybe spring to the defence of oh, the area. come on, Lawrence. It's far too early to roll out of Revolver. <laughs> That's right. The okay, sun well, isn't even up properly we'll yet. catch them just before nine. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so I didn't ride in this morning, I'm, thus I'm wearing a long pant. Which is perfect for today. I, I love when people refer to the pant in the singular. Yeah, I do. I like the I like the dropping of s and the uh, and doing the singular. Just in general, and you are wearing a fine mustard pant, <laughs> if I'm not mistaken. Yes, it is. In fact, a mustard pant with a uh, a rakish white Stan Smith. I so, saw yeah, that's uh, what I'm wearing today. I saw Creed last night, the latest instalment in the Rocky Balboa franchise. I want a full review because uh, this is a franchise that I am welded to. I'm not really into your Star Wars. Uh, I enjoyed what became Episode th- Four, uh, the the original one. But uh, Rocky, I've been through the whole journey with Rocky Balboa, right from the Meatworks, right through to you know the death of Apollo, and then onward to Dolph Lundgren, number five, Yvonne Drago, and then. And I really think when I was at high school, the role Rocky Balboa played in accelerating the end of the Cold War wasn't taught enough to us. <laughs> no, he broke right through. And when then, it, of course, he appeared later on in life. Big comeback, uh, Sylvester Stallone, who is an interesting man in his own right. He is. Yeah. He's, uh, he was nominated for an Academy Award for the original Rocky. So, um, yeah, I want to find out all about Creed. The film takes on, the franchise too, takes on more realism as it goes on because we actually have seen Sylvester and therefore the character grow older over the course of seven films. Mm, so you know, it becomes like a part of the family. Do they build any UFC element into it? That's a good point. No, they stick with the traditional boxing fair. Of course, it's about Adonis Johnson who may actually have a link to Apollo Creed, as we discover as the film goes on. Anyway, I'll uh, tell you a bit more about that later on. And you don't appear to have your wallet on you. Uh, no, that's uh, part of the sad proceedings from <laughs> yesterday. I lost my wallet. I've had to spend a lot of time on the phone cancelling stuff. Let's let's put it this way. Yesterday was pretty shitty. <laughs> <Okay>? <laughs> I got sent this yesterday, Lawrence. It's uh, based on a Reddit thread. Mm-hmm. We love a Reddit thread. Which was started by a young woman in the United States who, when she was a teenager, her email address was sexyemokid69 at hotmail.com. Mm-hmm. 
And that led on to her saying that she used to be into the whole emo scene, the My Chemical Romance, Green Day a bit during that American Idiot phase with the full dyed black hair and the piercings, and she's now grown up, moved on to that phase, and she's a completely different person. So she's out of her emo phase. Yeah. She's left it behind. She had the snake bite piercings in the lips. Mm. She had, the, as I say, the dyed black hair, and now she's sort of a, a bit more uh, mature looking, I guess, as she's grown up and become a nurse. Did and you uh, Did you go through a phase? Seb I went Costello? through, well, at the time, I thought it was metrosexual. I'm not quite sure what it was looking back on it, but I wouldn't go Describe out to- Describe it to me and I'll label it for you. Okay. I'll, I'll pigeonhole you. Well, the key part of it was, or at the time what I felt my trademark was, was a sort of fluoro pink Andre Agassi style Nike tennis headband. Mm. And I- <laughs> So, oh, don't look at me like that. So you're going through a late 90s leafy suburb twat phase. <laughs> <laughs> uh, basically, so- yes. It sounds a little bit uh <laughs> it sounds a little bit wham, yeah, post wham okay. kind of like you know tennis rock headbands. No, it was all about wristbands. how you know suddenly men could wear pink. Right. That, that was that was what it was all about. You remember that whole metro thing, and softening your look, yeah, and, becoming and, a little bit more feminine. And you'd wear what my mate used to refer to as bird sh one t t shirts. You know, the t shirts wouldn't make sense. They would just have like colours right. here and that, and different words, and you know, and everything just, was all over and the place. A choose letter and a number here or there. Yeah, yeah, that was sort of getting traction. And then you'd get the gel, you'd put it in your hair, and you'd mess it up, so it was kind of all over the place. Yeah, spent a lot of time making it look like you hadn't bothered doing your hair. You just got out of bed, and I referred to it as an Ozfro. Right. Because we had the Afros, obviously. It was the big curly bowl, and this was the Ozfro. Was there, a, was there a revelation or an epiphany that took you out of that, or a particular woman, or did you just tire of it and it gradually wore off? And the need to get a job sort of okay. kind of put pressure on the headband uh, going towards mm. the bin. Did you have a face? I did. Uh, I've had a couple of particular ones, but uh, I think my drama school one was the... <laughs> The most distinct, because, uh, of course, I was at at Drama School, National Theatre in in St Kilda. Uh, If you will, a large pair of uh, dinner suit pants with the piping down the side, but too big for me. In the street, you'd wear this? Yes, in the street. So you have to wear braces to hold it up. And underneath that, you'd be wearing a sleeveless T-shirt, which said to anyone looking on... He's at drama school, he lives in a city, and he's a real knob. <laughs> <laughs> what was the name? You, you were saying before you were a character in a Brecht play. What was the name of the character? I played Uzduk of Nuka in the Caucasian Chalk Circle. <laughs> Sounds like a member of Vladimir Putin's government. <laughs> Perhaps yes. the interior minister. Minister for the arts. What's his name? And he's uh, Uzduk. Uzduk. Yes. There uh, you go. So one triple three five three. Did you go through a phase that you may well have grown out of? If you're still living it, feel free to give us a call. Have you had multiple phases, Lawrence? I did. In the uh, mid-70s, I went through a surfy phase, always wearing flannelette, longer hair, uh, cords, and desert boots, or DBs. Um, Is that part of the surfy look? Yeah, it was part of the surfy look of the 70s, but I didn't surf. I had friends that surfed, but I never got up on a surfboard, but still rocked the surfy look <laughs> for anyone thinking, oh, that kid, look at him, little surfy. What was your phase, Darren, at Melton? Yeah, I uh, I used to have a Statue of Liberty mohawk. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So just, just a ring around the crown was all the hair I had. The top was bald, the underneath was bald. And when I was too lazy to do it, I used to look like Fry Tuck. How much hair product did you go through to make that work? 
Uh, Seb, I used to use PVA glue to make <laughs> to stand up. Fair dinkum. Wow. That is yeah. fantastic, Darren. Jono at Seaford, what was your face? I went through the whole hyper-colour T-shirt and tie-dyed hemp hoodie face. <laughs> right, very colourful. Uh, yeah, it's the old surfy sort of look. That's fantastic. Did you grow the hair out a bit? I did. I did. It was an absolute mop and it was disgraceful. Lawrence Mooney was a surfer but never stood on a board. What would you have thought of that back in those days? I probably would have put myself in the same category. (laughs) That's right. Maybe even own a surfboard, go that extra step and never actually use it. Thanks, Jono. Craig from Croydon, what phase Uh, did you go through? Yeah, the David Bowie phase. Mm. Um, A little bit of trivia. Ricky Ricky Gervais is actually a massive David Bowie fan and actually styled his um, rock band on David Bowie. Yes, and Bowie appears in the first series of the extras. So what Bowie phase particularly? Um, the lightning bolt on the face, the black uh, leather jacket, the white T-shirt and the black, uh, black jeans and the, and the boots. And did the, did the girls like the uh, kind of Ziggy Stardust look? Uh, yeah, it was sort of popular with some, but not with others. Sort of, sort of a bit uh, weird and didn't quite go through the next phase of Bowie when he, when he went into the... Um, I guess the metrosexual or heterosexual or bisexual face, mm. <laughs> whichever face it was. The fully androgynous face. Good on you, Craig. Let's go to Jason at Mount Eliza. <laughs> what phase did you go through? Uh, I went through a phase my own. Uh, oh, we're just <laughs> losing you a bit there, Jason. We might check the line and come back to you. At Melton, Steve, what phase did you go through? Yeah, how are you guys? Um, well, currently I'm technically a lumbosexual. <laughs> now, <laughs> now, you might have to describe uh, what a lumbosexual is exactly to us. Oh, I've got a long beard, a lot of tats, and I wear flannel quite a bit. So it's like the lumberjack look. Yeah, the lumberjack look, mm. but previously I was actually, I went through the emo stage and the metrosexual stage when I was younger. Oh, you evolve like a like a, a butterfly from a chrysalis, Steve from one is, thing to another. Steve is the David Bowie of Milton. Mm. Always, he's the Madonna. He's always reinventing <laughs> himself. That's fair. What's next, Steve? Uh, I don't know. I'm a father now, so not much. Yeah. <laughs> Good on you, mate. Well, thanks for your call. I saw Creed last night, Lawrence, the latest instalment in the Rocky franchise. Look, uh, the name of the film uh, suggests that uh, Apollo Creed's um, might have a relation in the film. Is it a spoiler alert? No, the I don't film? think so. I think we're yeah, I think we're quite aware that the film portrays Adonis Johnson, who was an illegitimate son of former world champion and Rocky rival Apollo Creed. And is that a reveal at some stage? It's like, oh, you're Apollo's son. Because we doesn't all know. know he doesn't know to begin with. He doesn't know to begin with. He was raised by his mother in mm. Los Angeles. She passed away. He ended up in juvie and was bounced around a few foster homes. Right. And then Apollo's widow arrives in juvie to take him in as a child. And that's how the film begins. But there's a certain set of magic when it comes to a Rocky film. And well, the, the music for a start. Well, this is the interesting point. Loved the movie. Absolutely loved it. Was there with Maddie, my best mate, who got engaged, as I told you earlier in the week, and uh, the breezer was there as well. But this film is not a Rocky Balboa film. This is very much about Adonis Johnson, Nee Creed. Really? And so much so that there is only about 10 bars worth of the original Rocky score gonna fly now in the film. <laughs> Great. It's actually got its own score, which has certain homages to the recognizable gonna fly now, but it has its own it has its own element. So the film is about Apollo and, and his 
anger at the way that his dad passed away before he was born and his mum passed away, how he's been left, mm. and dealing with that. Now, of course, he seeks out his dad's former rival, Rocky Balboa, and that's where the film starts. But, yeah, if you're going expecting to watch a Rocky film, Rocky is very much a supporting character in this. Doesn't make it any less enjoyable, though. What uh, typifies a Rocky film is a man is down, but he's not out. So do we see Creed hit the canvas and oh, have that do. moment of of reckoning where it's like, I either get up or I die forever here? Nothing hits harder than life. Right. No, but it's about how you <laughs> get hit and take hit and keep on. You mm. move forward. You keep moving yeah. forward, as the great man would say. So does he pull himself up on the ropes at some stage? Well, I don't want to give too much away. To well, come on. It's a Rocky film. I don't think you well, can give too much away. I'll put it away. this way. If, if you are a true Rocky fan, you will know how this one ends. Right. Yeah, is and there a, is a, there a mouth guard punched into the oh, crowd? Oh, is there ever that yeah. slow mo of the blood and spittle and, <clears throat> and sweat coming off? Yeah, and the cut man Stitch is working his hardest right. to get the cuts down from Adonis. But yeah, with, if I can do a slight spoiler alert, though, there are some special moments like before you know the big climax fight. He gets delivered an Apollo Creed style pair of stars and striped shorts, nice. which is featured in the. Poster, so that's not a huge spoiler. And they would come in a box sitting in tissue paper. You know everything, Lawrence Mooney. <laughs> but I got a few chills when that happened because this, I have to say, is my favourite film franchise of all time. And sort of the line between reality and fantasy has been blurred because, as I said before, the character has grown older on our screens. Mm. You know, Six came along, or Rocky Balboa, as it was known, and here was the character as a 50-year-old man deciding a comeback was a good idea. You know, we've seen him move from the dockyard enforcer to world champion to somewhat tragic widower who runs a restaurant in downtown Philly. And, and we feel that we know him. Do we see Sly uh, in the gym in this movie, working out on the bag? Because he does uh, take great pride in his body well, and uh, he's enjoyed, you know, being that southpaw from the Bronx. So do we see him punch on? We we don't see him do too much. No, he, he as I said, he's a trainer, so he's instructing. Right. But he does return to Mickey Gold's gym for the first time in decades, as we're led to believe, even though they are now using his name as a real marketing ploy to mm. get people in the door. Mickey Gold, tragically, lost to oh. us in Rocky Three just before he took on... Who was Mr. T's character? Clubber Lang. Clubber Lang. Yep. Who won the title. What a great film. I went on a first date to that film. Did you? And hello to Paddy McMahon if you're listening. (laughs) (laughs) But it is my favourite film franchise and it does beg the question, what are the great film franchises of all time? I would have to say number one on my list is the Bond franchise. Yeah, fair point. I've often asked myself the question, what would James Bond do? Uh, to guide me through life. <laughs> and he'd take Paddy to Rocky Three on the first day. Yeah, that's exactly what he would do. <laughs> and also have a martini. But uh, for me, it's Bond. Um, New I, Star Wars coming out, obviously iconic franchise. Absolutely. For me, I'm not that massive Star Wars fan, but I know they're out there and they are fevered. Uh, expecting the opening, which sold you know huge amount of tickets very early on in advance. One triple three five three. What are the great film franchises of all time? And when we come back, Lawrence, I'm going to rank the Rocky franchise from one to seven. Wow! And let you know where, in fact, Creed fits in the list. Oh, I'm looking forward to that. Mm, we can debate this actually because you've seen be a fair few of them. Absolutely, I've seen mm, them all. Seen them all. Saw Creed last night, the latest edition in my favourite film franchise of all time. Paul at Roeville, what's your favourite film franchise? Uh, Back to the Future, Seb. Uh, they've left themselves in a fantastic position. The only way you're going to be able to 
better this is have to uh, redo the movie completely in the trilogy. Ah, yes. The uh, what do you think of the third one though, the Western? Um, not, a, not, not, not my biggest fan moment. Yeah, but, uh, it's still, still fantastic to watch. Ironically, there is a moment I believe when he first arrives in, um, in the future in Back to the Future Part Two, where there is a holographic, holographic trailer for Rocky Fifteen. Right? Isn't there was a Jaws Fifteen. It's one of those. Yeah, uh, Paul, you might remember. Paul, it's Jaws Fifteen. It's Jaws, Jaws. Sorry, my mistake. Paul at Frankston, what's your favourite film franchise? Oh, mate, it has to be Police Academy. Very funny. Uh, have you got a favourite Police Academy film out of the out of the I, lot? I think when I uh, remember Tony Hawk was on one, but I loved I loved all the early ones, like one, two, three. I think they dropped off at the end, but they're still funny, you know. Yeah, and Gutenberg is very all, underrated. Uh, all of them, it's so funny, isn't it? Yeah, and of, and of course, Police Academy Seven. Who could f- forget Mission to Moscow or <laughs> Moscow, as they would call it? In Sounds America. a bit like Rocky Four. Is Steve Gutenberg in the Three Men and a Baby franchise? Yes, he is. Yeah, well, only two. I don't think that quite qualifies as a franchise, but that was a favourite of my sister Matty back in the day. Darren from South Morang, what is your favourite film franchise? Uh, it's got to be Harrison Ford, Indiana Jones. Mm. Sensational stuff. How Brilliant many, movie. How many did they make in the end? Four? Four, I think. There's uh, one not recently. I'm not too sure which that one was. Yeah. Can I ask you a question, though, Darren? There was a fourth one. And I just have always had a problem with it because isn't Indiana supposed to be immortal by the end of the four, by the end of the third one? I think so. Yes. Yeah. Or at least yeah. Sean Connery is supposed to be because they've got the Holy Grail and all that. And right. they, yeah. yeah. Brilliant movie. Brilliant movie. Especially I'm a little Chinese kid in it. Funny. Yeah. Yes, he is very good. Let's get down to business, though, Lawrence. There are seven are Rocky films, and it's time to put them in order. If you are a true fan of the franchise, you know which comes in last. Okay, number six. No, number five. You can't have a Rocky film that ends with a fight in a back alley out the front of a pub. It needs to be in a ring. Although they've all got some redeeming features, and Elton John's measure of a man in the credits of Rocky V is a stirring way to finish what wasn't the finest film. In sixth, Rocky Two, which for really? me... Really? The rematch? Though, even though it gives us, yo, Adrian, I did it, it's a bit of a transition <laughs> film. It takes us from the gritty Oscar-credible first one into the more Hollywood big budget three and four. So it's a bit of a transition for me, and there's a bit of confusion. So at number six, we have Rocky Two. Yes. Number five. That's where I'm putting Creed. Right. That's where I'm putting Creed, which I thought was very good, a nice reboot, and you see Rocky go through a few new life challenges, which is you know, a fascinating continuation of the character as the restaurateur and widower who still goes up to read Adrian the paper at her gravestone. That leaves Rocky 1, 3, 4, and 5 to be placed. Six. In fourth place is Rocky 4. Right. Rocky mm. 4, uh, end of the Cold War. <laughs> Famous speech. (laughs) You can change. We can all change. That's the speech to the Politburo. (laughs) But uh, I liked the training in Rocky Four. Yes, he he went and lifted logs. Uh, Dolph was in the gymnasium, suggesting you know maybe there was some Stephen Dank. uh, Yes, a bit of Stephen Dank going on. Yes, (laughs) there you go. In number three, now this would be controversial, but I have Rocky Balboa as number three. If for no other reason than the stirring speech he gives his son. Because he thinks, I think the son's a bit of a dweeb and he's, you know, feeling the pressure of being Rocky Summer. Mm. Rocky says you just have to be your own man because no one hits as hard as life. Yeah, that's a good, uh, 
it's a very good bit of advice, but a very bad impression. Because <laughs> <laughs> okay, it sounds I'll, like I'll Brocky's that. got a bit of a brain injury. Well, he does. <laughs> the fifth run starts with him having okay. an acquired brain injury. And I put in number two, Rocky Three, which begins, of course, with Hulk Hogan playing Thunderlips, the professional wrestler. We then see... Rocky Three was sensational. Yeah. Uh, Mr. T, it, it, it moved it into that blockbuster area, and it has a rousing theme, too. Oh, I have the, the tiger. tiger. And who could forget Clubber Lang's prediction for the fight, if you recall that. What's your prediction for the fight? And he says, prediction, pain. Oh, yes, I do. Mm. Yeah, I, I loved it. Rocky Three is excellent. Number of one, of course, the original and the best. Oscar winning best picture film. And I see Sylvester Stallone has picked up a Golden Globe nomination for Creed. Well, congratulations to him. And Rocky won. Ab- outstanding film. Tremendous theme uh, and a great story about a man that that you know goes from the bottom, not quite to the top. So it doesn't have that kind of fairy tale ending that most American films would. He just pulls himself up, and it's a draw, isn't it? He went the, the distance. He went the distance. A couple of weeks ago, Lawrence, the brilliant Eddie Head Stadium hosted. The most profitable UFC event in the history of the organisation, Ronda Rousey, Holly Holm, the massive upset that saw mm. Ronda requiring a plastic surgeon afterwards and Holly Holm crowned the new champion of the world. Only 32,000 people saw Taylor Swift last night, but 50,000 people went to that UFC event. People want to see women fight. Now, we were obviously concerned for Ronda. She was given a six-month break from the sport because of the injury she suffered in that fight, which was putting it up in the air as to whether there would be a rematch or not. But excitedly, Lawrence, it seems like that has changed. We caught up earlier with Alex Spears, who is an MMA expert over in Las Vegas at the moment, covering the Conor McGregor and Jose Aldo fight, and here's what he told us. It is absolutely going to happen. It is 100%. Uh, UFC President Dana White locked it in yesterday. And so July 7, UFC 200 in Las Vegas at the brand new arena uh, is going to be going down next year. So that's the new arena that they're hoping to open sort of mid-next year. Currently, the MGM Grand Garden, where the Mayweather-Pacquiao fight was, that holds around 15,000. This one will take the possible attendance up to 20,000 for a Las Vegas fight or a concert. Have you ever visited Las Vegas? Have you been there? To... Well, I covered the Mayweather-Pacquiao fight oh, right. back in May. Yeah. And you're wearing the top right there. This is the one they May gave 2nd, us. May 2nd, 2015. Mm. And you're hoping for a rematch there. Yeah, absolutely. But yes, yeah, so July looks like the Rousey home rematch will be on. The question will be, whether Ronda Rousey will be mentally the athlete she was before the loss. I don't think it's so much the physical aspect that I would be worried about. I think it's where she's at mentally. I mean, she was such a proud fighter. She like What really defined her was the utmost confidence that she had with everything that she did. And that's obviously going to have been shattered by Holly Holm. Mm. So it's going to be really interesting to see how she can bounce back and what kind of effect that kind of fight's going to have on her. I mean, is she going to be more hesitant? Is she not going to be as aggressive as she usually was? How is all of this going to play into it when it comes time to step into the ring with her again? Can't wait for that. That's Alex Spears, an MMA expert from Las Vegas. Check out the McGregor-Aldo fight if you get a chance this weekend. But a home Rousey rematch on the cards. We're checking in with all the Melbourne clubs in the off-season to see how they're going. And it's time to see what's happening at the Blues. Joining us, the mainstay, the ever-reliable, the skipper of the back line down there at the Blues, Michael Jamison. Good morning. Good morning, boys. Thanks for having me. Mate, we were talking about the captaincy down there. Bolts put it on the agenda as being a bit of an open range. Who would you like to see skipper the side in 2016? Oh, easy answer, but probably an obvious one. I think, you. Um, I think Murph, <laughs> yeah, myself. I think Murph's done everything everything right yeah. over the past 
past few years and, and really grown into the role. So, uh, look, he's done nothing nothing wrong in my eyes to, to see him give that up. Good to hear. He's a ripper. You've had a change of coach. Uh, Brendan Bolton is at uh, the helm now, and uh, people often comment on his positivity. Uh, just let's have a listen to, to Bolts talking about football. I might fire away if I can. What's really pleasing is our three leaders on the ground. Isn't that exciting for a young bloke? Yeah, it's a good story. That's what footy's about, isn't it? Oh, I love coaching and um, full credit's got to go to our whole coaching staff. Um, Luke Beveridge, Brett Ratton, Cameron Bruce, David Rath, I'll name them all and I always talk about Chris Fagan. We're lucky we've got a good crew. I'm a proud Tasmanian, always will be. I love coming back and our club loves coming back to Tassie. Thanks, Brendan. Thanks, guys. Appreciate Thanks, it. Thanks for coming. Thanks, Brendan. It's a real change from uh, Mickey's surlishness, <laughs> isn't it? Uh, does that is that positivity quite contagious? Oh, it is, and I, especially, I think especially with a young group, um, it's really necessary. You know, we've got you know, fifteen sort of new faces this this year who are all really young and and impressionable. So I think you know for them to come into a footy club and, and hear that sort of enthusiasm. Uh, you know, great for the culture we're trying to build. It's just an incredible turnover, isn't it? 15 new players as well as a change in the coaching administration. I want to talk about Patrick Cripps, though, Jamo. What a season from him, and uh, how do you expect him to step up in 2016? Uh, look, knowing Cripo, he'll, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he takes you know, takes the same amount of steps forward as he did last year. He's a, he's a ripping young kid. Um, you wouldn't know, you know, speaking to him, that you know, as good a year as he's had, He's, um, he's remained really unchanged, and he's gone away in the off season and worked worked on his game and his body like he like he had a really poor year. So he's um, he's in ripping nick, and um, I'm sure we'll you know take that next step into the competitions elite. That's fantastic to hear. Now, if it wasn't exciting enough for Carlton supporters to have one Silvani back at the club, there's now two. Yeah, young stuff. <laughs> Tell us, um, is that what you're calling him? No, nah, we we're going with Sodge, so- uh, son, of, son of Joe. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. Get Steve. Yes, leave leave all the credit to Joe. I like that. Yeah, mixing it up. But um, yeah, he he had an operation operation on his shoulder um before he got drafted. So he's just taking his time, and you know he's only seventeen still. So we're not expecting him to to come in and, and rip anything apart this early. But uh, we're looking forward to what he'll offer in the next couple of years. Jamo, uh, as to Essendon supporters, Carlton have brought uh, Seb and I a lot of joy over the years. Oh, um, and a few nightmares. <laughs> we all remember where we were in September 1999. Oh, we, we do on. indeed. Um, so is there a prediction or a target for where you want to finish in 2016? Oh, look, I don't, I don't think so yet. I think you can, um, you can sometimes um, get caught into that trap mm. uh, at this time of year and I'm trying to make expectations, but I think we just see how how the pre-season um, continues, how these young boys we've got into the club develop. And, you know, I'm sure our, our supporters are going to be patient. And, and as long as I think we're, we're heading in the right direction, then they'll be happy. And they're rewarding you too there. Carlton have reached 25,000 members by December 1 for the first time in the club's history. So they're hoping to sneak in 30,000 by the end of the year. So if you're looking at a Christmas present or a New Year's present for a relative who's a blue, get a membership. Best way to support the club. Exactly, especially the, after the year we've had for our supporters to to jump on like they have and, and show that loyalty has been fantastic, and, and it certainly felt you know within the footy club. Yeah, you got to give it to Carlton supporters. That navy blue army is always right there behind you. So, Michael, have a great summer and uh, good luck for twenty sixteen. 
You too, guys. Cheers. Thanks, Jamo. He'll bring up game 152 here early in season 2016. So that's a uh, you know, real sign of the hard work he's put in over the years. And good luck to the Blues. As much as it's hard to say as Essendon supporters, mm. a strong Carlton is good for the competition. Coming up later in the program, Andrew Bogut, who's just come off the back of his highest scoring game of the year in the Golden State Warriors record-breaking season. They got their sights for the LA Lakers 33 win streak record and they're in terrific form off the back of the season that Steph Curry and Clay Thompson are having the two guards there at Golden State who just can't miss at the moment and Steph Curry is riding himself into the record books as one of the greatest NBA players of all time if he keeps up this over the course of his career from sport into the world of entertainment and a very good friend of Lawrence Mooney is the entertainment reporter who's done it all. He's John Michael Housen, Richard Reed, rolled into one. His name is Robert, or Bobby, to his friends, H. Shriekman, and he's in Australia, which is pretty special. Good morning, Mr. Shriekman. Oh, hello, summer breakfast. Oh, hello, Lolly. Hello, Seb. And I believe the man behind the panel's called the Hyphen. Ooh, the Hyphen. I love a punctuation nickname, you Australians. You're so cute with Oh, oh. Well, we've got you in the country, Mr. Shriekman, and is this the first time you've been to our shores? No, of course it isn't, Sebby said. I come here all the time and spend time up on the central coast with John Michael Hollywood House, and he's delicious, isn't it? He's got a big influence on my life. Ooh, John Michael, I could just eat him all up. He's like a sausage roll. Huh? <laughs> no sauce for me. Oh. He's, uh, yes, he's a, a broadcaster in Melbourne still, John Michael, of course. I see the Golden Globes this morning. You'd be all over that, the Hollywood Foreign Press. I was quite excited that Sylvester Stallone got a nod for Rocky Balboa, but have you been through the nominations? I've had a look at them, and all I can say is, Ozzy, 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 oi, 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 oi. Fury Road. I'm a big fan of the Mad Max franchise. I was hearing you talk about franchises before franchise. Oh, <laughs> Mad Max, George Miller, what a genius. Mm. And the Fury Road is, of course, his director's cut of Mad Max too, isn't it? Did you know that, Seb? Oh, I don't think well, it, is. it is. No, no, no. I think isn't it's its it? own film. Oh, no, I think it's a bit of a remake. Well, let's not argue about it. We're friends. I'd love <laughs> to see Mel back in the... Driver's seat, though, as good as Tom Hardy is. But what about Shalice? They're on with that black face. Oh, isn't that a little bit cheeky? Yeah. I hope it just takes a swag of the Golden Globes, Omar. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Dancing with the Stars, did you watch Bindi Irwin take the trophy and about half a million dollars in prize money? Bindi, Bindi, Bindi. Oh, what a beautiful girl she is. What a lovely family. We miss Steve terribly. But I want to see Bobby, little blonde Bob, get his reaction. Oh, where is he? Take the crocodile, Bobby. Remember when you were a baby and one nearly ate you, you little crumpet. Oh, Bobby, I want more of him. <laughs> <laughs> He's a young man, Bob. A lot of developing to do, Mr. Shriekman. And, of course, well, you were in town at the same time as Taylor Swift. That must be pretty exciting. Are you going to catch up with her while you're here? I don't know what Amy Park is. Who's it named after? Amy Schumer? I don't know. Amy Park was just vibrant last night, pulsating down there in that beautiful precinct. 32,000 of us just screaming. It was absolute mayhem. Or, as they've been calling it, payhem. Mm, oh, that was a clever I headline. I loving it. But, you know, haters going to hate seven lives. She's done well, though, Taylor Swift. Well, Mr. Shriekman, you say hello to John Michael for us. Enjoy your time up there on the Central Coast. 
He is the doyen of showbiz entertainment reporting. His name is Bobby H. Shriekman, and he's a very good fan of Lawrence Mooney's. Right now, there's a third member of the band, and his name is Adam Rosenbachs. Good morning. Hi, morning, boys. I've got some big clown shoes to fill, don't I? You are. It's have, huge. Have you got authority to use the IP of Clown of the Week? Well, I figured he'll still be in bed, so he's not going to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> Has cancelled a few live cross, uh, organised crosses that we had booked in, the great mm. Mick Malloy. Well, I'm, I'm doing gigs with him at the Comics Lounge uh, for the next couple of nights, and I have done for the last two nights. So I can understand why he doesn't want to be up <laughs> at uh, before nine. So how many nights left at the Comics Lounge? Uh, tonight and tomorrow. Right. Comics Lounge in North Melbourne and Errol Street. So it's gonna, it's been, they've been great fun, so get on down there. Be, Magnificent. So we're here. You're here to provide us with Clown of the Week. One triple three five three. We want your nominations for Clown of the Week or on Twitter at MMM Hot Breakfast. Get us started, Rosie. Well, I thought I'd go in the in the vein of Mick Malloy. Let's go with Dustin Martin. Let's kick it off hard yeah. with Dustin Good Martin. Call. And it's getting a little bit sorted, so I don't want to get in, involved too much. But they're talking about penalties. I think the penalty should be that he just has to play finals for Richmond. Mm. For I mean, that's painful. Yeah, yeah, that is terrible. No Why? one deserves that. So cruel. Yeah. Hasn't he suffered enough already? Uh, also, he clearly doesn't know how to use a chopstick properly. You uh, don't think? No. So maybe he needs some lessons there as well. But he was a walrus. People love walruses. Oh, so he did have the walrus fangs in. Yeah. It's just that they've never seen it. used it as a deadly, potentially, allegedly. They've never seen a, a walrus with a neck tattoo. That's mm. all. But and, I, you, and, can't, you can't just stop at Dustin Martin. I, no, I, I and need I to guess clown. clown, we can find a stronger word for clown too, because when well, you look at what absolutely. he's done, the police look into it and it's pretty disgraceful, it's but let's keep moving on. Well, I want to get, uh, you got to go Carlton and get involved now. Clem Smith from yes. the Blues, he, he was involved in a bit of a, a bit of a punch on down Chapel Street, apparently, that's, that's what I'm reading and stuff. And uh, just uh, going with the vein of Carlton, he lost. Right. <laughs> so it didn't go well for him. We can't even win a street fight. Sack yeah, the coach. So, uh, Carlton um, <laughs> blaming the victim there. Or shaming the victim, you know, you get in a fight, you get punched. We're going to sack someone. There's going to be some sanctions against you. Yeah, Mm. that's not fair. But are you a fan of Chapel Street laws? Oh, the Chapel Street precinct. Yeah, it's great. Um, My my gear exchanger got kicked last night. I did a gig. uh, Your drug dealer? (laughs) No. Okay. No. Uh, My bike. (laughs) Oh, your bike. Right. My bike got kicked. Yes. Um, After the Taylor Swift concert, of course. uh, I went. Oh, you can't trust those people, can you? Rode up to Chapel Street and my bike was locked up there and uh, it got kicked and the little gear exchanger is, is not working. I'm sorry to hear that, mate. <laughs> well, I see what you mean by gear exchanger. Yeah. Um, we'll continue along with the uh, my next <laughs> client is the Ginger G Hattie, who is apparently uh, the, the the young gentleman, the Ginger from from Sydney. He was apparently killed in Syria a few days ago, and I think when he rocks up to heaven, that'll make it 73 virgins. <laughs> he has he has red hair. Uh, there. <laughs> Next clown of the week, Bill Shorten. Bill Shorten in trouble for texting on his phone. Mm, maybe and, uh, sexting on his phone. Who knows? Do you think? Well, who's he sending that shot to? <laughs> Who do you, who's Bill Shorten texting? I mean, it's the first time anyone's kind of paid attention to Bill Shorten for quite some time. Mm. But who's he texting? Is he just texting Tony Abbott? Just going, please come back. I was popular <laughs> when you were there. Maybe You've ruined everything. Maybe for he's me. doing an online poll to try and. Push up the fourteen <laughs> percent. That's not bad. <laughs> I reckon whatever he was texting was just a sad emoji. Mm. Just sad face. Uh, my next clown is to Kuala Lumpur Airport. What is happening in Kuala Lumpur? So apparently they've found three planes on the tarmac that no one has claimed. So they've just there's just three seven four sevens just sitting idle with with no one actually. People must have flown it in there, gotten off, and 
no one said they're ours. So they put an ad in the local paper just saying, hey, we want to find out who the owners of this plane. And I'm just looking at it going, you've missed a golden opportunity. That That is a plane. That's a stunt plane now. If no one's claiming it, just get mm. out there and flog the guts out of that. Like, wouldn't you love to Barrel see it? Barrel roll that baby. Yeah, if you're sitting there waiting for your flight back to Melbourne in KL and you just see this plane just drifting around the tarmac. So can't you tell who the plane belongs to by what's written on the side? The advertising? Yeah, yeah I don't know. Maybe they haven't got a grasp that of all the pictures. plane out there. Give us, uh, who, whose is that? So Kuala Lumpur must be very busy. Yeah, I think so. Obviously, a couple of pilots have just had a big night and decided they'd leave the car at the car park <laughs> yeah. come back in the morning. Well, you know when you get a rental and you can't be bothered taking it all the way back? Because <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to fill up. it with petrol? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You oh, got someone to top it up. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Ricky Ponting, I'm going uh, to clown him. Now, I know he's, a, he's an Australian uh, champion, but he says that the, uh, the Hobart test should be a yearly thing. And I just think, Ricky, there's not enough to do down in Hobart. Like well, you go down, it's, it's a three-day long weekend at, at best. I mean, you do Mona, you do the Salamanca markets, you get your moon pads. What else do you do after that? <laughs> There's Maybe nothing else going on. they can the uh, Sydney to Hobart yacht race and have the teams on the yachts. Oh. And when they land oh, there, I love that. bang, down to Bell Reeve Oval, seasick, <laughs> and uh, into, Straight the, into, into the test. Yeah, yeah, and try and get your, get your uh, land legs back where mm. you're opening the bowling. It's a perfect combination. I like actually mean the West Indies will bowl behind the line this time. You see that no ball yesterday? Yeah. It was about three metres over yeah, and he any, kept sliding. Was anyone betting on that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm yeah, not, that's I'm it. not fully trustworthy. But oh, coming to the Southampton Magistrates Court soon. My clown of the week, I'm going to have to give it to the uh, the Brighton Grammar students. Oh, yeah. These young fellas were seen at the T- local TAB putting on some bets. And I like the idea of that. Firstly, I think they were betting on who was going to lose their virginity at schoolies. Mm-hmm. I think that they'd be laying some uh, heavy money on that. What is the what are the odds? <laughs> They're pretty It'd be odds. pretty low, wouldn't it? Yeah, <laughs> It'd really. be pretty short. Maybe a dollar one. But I reckon how well this is this something and you used to live in Brighton. I used to live in Brighton. Yes, and does this sum up how well your school life is going that you can you've got, you know, money to burn? How how good's your paper round? Brighton well Brighton in general is weird in Melbourne because it's the only suburb where where you tell people where you're from yeah they repeat the name of the suburb using a faux English accent mm. you say I'm from Brighton <laughs> they go mm, Brighton and yeah. they do a kind of interpretive dance <laughs> pretend to be on an invisible polo pony or something it's a good bloke the principal at Brighton used to be my rowing coach Ross Featherston <laughs> back in the day Rossy yeah uh, big you, Rossy did he's you go a, to school down that way no no I went he was at Kerry then and uh, he's obviously moved onwards and upwards to now be the principal and That's you haven't uh, continued your rowing career mm. are you a bit Lay down Sally in the boat, were you? <laughs> uh, no, I was, I, well, I stroked, but I wasn't, um, didn't quite have the uh, attention to the fitness at the time. Needed to keep myself for the, you could either do the uh, the musicals, Lawrence, or mm. you could do rowing. And you're singing. Oh, it's a tough choice. And uh, and look, if you haven't seen my performance in Footloose in 2004, I'll bring in the DVD next week. Right. I look forward to that. That's going to earn me another Clown of the Week nomination. It's Clown of the Week time. And good morning, Heath. Who's your nomination? G'day, mate. How are you? Yeah, well, who are you nominating? Ah, uh, yourself, mate. Oh, Why? Hey. Teeth. What are you thinking, mate? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I think I know where you're going with this. Why have I been nominated this week? Who are you singing, mate? All your, your, oh, that singing uh, lady. <laughs> oh, my, unbelievable. Did you do some Footloose or something, Seb? Uh, what have I missed? Uh, we've had, you know, we've got this wonderful jingle, Rosie, that is very uh, contagious. And mm. You can't get it out of your head. Well, Seb's done a bit of a cover of it. Just let's have a listen to this. Triple M rocks your summer. Mm. 
There you go. So Seb just rocking it out there. I like it. It's got a hint of the nickelback to it. Yeah. As has Seb himself. Never yeah, has absolutely. There been a greater backhander than to have your song described as a bit of the nickelback. It's a hint, hint of nickelback. I like it. I think you've got a voice. Yeah. Thanks, guys. No worries. So are we going to officially take it off the Brighton Grammar School students and give Seb Clown of the Week? Can that be done? Can yeah, I think it can. Back? I think those boys are happy to give it over. Uh, yeah. Thank you. Thank you very much, Heath. We appreciate your call. Well done, Heath. Um, so now that we've heard a little bit of that uh, reworking of the theme, shall we listen to the whole mashup that we did together, Seb? Oh, we did do a tribute to Theresa mm. Mannion. Yes, the woman who was uh, we, we, commentating we want, about Storm Desmond. I was going to say, we want people to listen to this program, though, don't we? And I think right. the less singing, the better we are. I think it's a bit of fun. Let's have a listen. <laughs> From Point Cook to the CBD, don't take unnecessary journeys. Belgrave and Ferntree Gully, don't take risks on treacherous roads. Over there in Brunswick and Fitzroy, don't swim in the sea. Triple M Rock Summer. <laughs> Triple M rocks your summer. There he goes. Uh, One of the nominees for like, Clown of the Week. What have I just walked into? Maybe you could have thrown in there, like, be careful in Mr. Miyagi. You know, just, just to warn people. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. We, we might make it a bit more topical. And yeah, throw in absolutely. Bits and there you go. A topical, across the week. topical jingle. Don't great. text on King's Way. Yeah. Mm. Well, thank you very much for continuing the great tradition that is Clown of the Week in the absence of Mick Malloy. And uh, anyone who wants to see you can catch you at the Comics Lounge tonight and tomorrow night. Yes, in North Melbourne with the great Mick Malloy headlining. It's been fantastic. Andrew Bogut coming up. Meanwhile, I've just owned you in studio basketball. Absolutely. I did a blind turn, went for the uh, the bin and missed, and then you got one off the backboard. So. I rolled up Jaffel bag, not just off the backboard, mm. from basically the car park over the top of our producer, Sarah Fayor, off the wall into the bin. I had a bad day yesterday, Seb Costello. Yeah? I uh, stopped by um, a bike shop on the way home to get a pump and, uh, and an hockey strap for my pack rack. Because um, I am on the bike, having lost my license. Anyway, um, I, I wanted to pump up the tire straight away because it was it was flagging. So I did that. Got on the bike, went home, did some personal bureaucracy, went to reach for my credit card. Wallet not there. Wallet not in the satchel. So immediately I go into a panic. Where is it? Do the thirteen laps of the house, patting down every pocket. Realised that the last time I had it out was at the bike shop. Ring the bike shop. No, we haven't seen it. Uh, Still just flipping out. Empty the bag onto the floor. Am I not seeing it? Uh, then get on the bike and what? And ride down to the bike shop. Um, and there it is behind the counter. But before that, of course, I've cancelled all the cards. So I've rung the bank and I've cancelled my card. And uh, I said, can I put a stop on the credit card? And they said, uh, yes, you can. I said, great, let's stop that because I might find it. And they said, yeah, but it can still be used as a pay pass under $100, you know, um, charges. So I said, well, let's cancel it. So I cancelled a few other things and then went down to the bike shop and there it was. Now, this has a happy ending, Seb, this story, because uh, somebody had found the, the wallet on the road. I hadn't actually put it properly into the satchel. It was sitting underneath the flap. It had fallen out. They'd gone through it. There was cash in there, not a... Not a modest amount of cash. Um, and they had found some dockets from the bike shop, found my identity, gone in and said, Lawrence Mooney, been in here as a customer. Yes, he has. Here's his wallet. 
Wow, so, that's some pretty good detective work from the person who found the wallet. But also, the happy ending is, you know, restore your faith in human nature. I got my wallet back. What I want to talk to you about is, I've copped a lot of abuse for this wallet. I bought it in Italy, by the way. If I you don't mind. Sweet. Okay, he's pulling it out now, and the word wallet does not apply to what Lawrence Mooney is holding. What am I holding here? It is brown. It is double the size of a wallet that a man would usually carry. And in my book, that makes it a purse. Yeah, I think you're right because it's also got a zip section for the coins. Uh, it's a purse. I, I'm happy to own the fact that I've seen women with these. There's a lot more room for your credit cards and various cards that you might cancel if you lose it. And your witchery loyalty card in your case. <laughs> and my sports girl voucher. Um, of course, it's carrying my credit card, which is of no use at all. So this means that uh, I can't I can't Uber if I want to because I've got to ch- wait for my new credit card to arrive. Uh, if I want to get uh, money from a bank, I've got to go in in person. My life has been ruined. Do they look at you when you pull out that wallet and you're trying to prove your identity and say you can't be Lawrence because Lawrence is a man's name and you're holding That's a purse? That's right. Well, I, it looks like I'm addicted to the pokies and I've stolen my <laughs> wife's purse. <laughs> and people go, come on, mate. <laughs> Just sort out your, your gambling addiction. But uh, why yeah, is so it, it that whenever somebody, whenever somebody rocks a piece of effeminate accessory or clothing, the excuse is always, "I got it in Italy." You know, it's, it's European, okay? It sort of goes with what they do over that there. Is exactly what it is. Yeah. Be it scarf, man uh, bag, rakish hat, yep. or nice pair of high heels. Uh, <laughs> it's okay. Yeah, I got it in Italy. <laughs> well, I'm glad you got the wallet back. This man is killing it at the moment. The Golden State Warriors are gunning for the greatest winning streak in NBA history. They've got 23 wins in a row at the moment. It's the best start to a season in history. And the man doing the job in the paint is the centre from Melbourne, Andrew Bogut. Once again, good morning on Triple M. How you going? Bogues, great job. Your last game against the Pacers, 14 points, 10 rebounds, and you were just getting alley-oop after alley-oop. <laughs> yeah, it helps when you're playing with... Uh... Steph Curry and uh, Clay Thompson to get a couple of easy looks, but uh, yeah, we're definitely rolling, and um, hopefully we can keep it going. Just how good is Steph Curry? Uh, yeah, best player, best player in the world right now. Um, to come off the MVP season he had last season and and, and, and improve um, significantly on last season, uh, he's obviously the front runner again to go back to back MVPs. But he's just playing at a, at a crazy level right now, and it's not only fun to play with, but uh, fun to watch as well. Golden State's 23 in a row, Andrew, uh, is on track to become the greatest winning streak in NBA history. Was it something you guys expected at the beginning of the season, or is this completely out of the blue? Uh, a bit of both. Look, um, we always hear about the championship hangover, um, where the teams that win a chip obviously start off sluggishly and slow because it was a long year. and uh, We heard a lot of chatter in the off-season about us being lucky to win it and all that kind of stuff, so we just came out and kept Kept, uh, kept to our same system, made a couple of tweaks to our roster, but for the most part kept the same blokes together. And, and uh, yeah, we just haven't lost in a while, so it's, it's been, yeah, mm. been real, really, really good. And, mate, your career in parts has been held back by injury, but now you just seem to be free and flying on the court. I mean, against the, against the paces in the first half, we saw you diving for a loose ball, sort of slapping it out of a pack almost AFL style, which led to a basket for the Warriors. You must be feeling healthy. Yeah, look, I feel good. Look, I can, a little bit of back time, it's just a little travel. We're on a we're on a fifteen day road trip right now. Um, we're at Tel Aviv to play Boston tomorrow, and then more we'll walking and then go back home. But 
Um, yeah, feeling good. Like I dropped some weight in off season, and and um, yeah, everything everything's gone well. I've obviously had some injury years, but just 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 sticking with it and, and trying to push through everything. And the light was in the tunnel with the championship last year, and then now getting off to a great start uh, this season. You lost that weight partly to I understand a no sugar diet. Are you still off the sugar? I have a little bit. Um, when I started the diet, I went cold turkey just to I just wanted to see the effects that it had. Mm. And um, right now, the only sugar I really get is is, is from uh, fruit. Um, I have a little bit in my coffee, and then you know on a game day or so, I'll have a Powerade or something like that. But generally, um, staying away from all the all the good old Aussie chocolates and and I'll cut out dessert completely after dinner and stuff like that. So it's it's made a huge difference for me. I don't I don't have those peaks and valleys anymore on a daily basis. I'm kind of more. Uh, more flat lines throughout the day and are just a little better. Um, yeah, it certainly paid dividends for you, Andrew. Uh, Seb and I are both Essendon supporters. We believe you're a Bomber fan too. Uh, would it be possible to get you back and in the red and black? Because I believe you played some footy as a, as a junior. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not good right now. But, um, <laughs> I always, you know, always thought about playing footy as a young fella and Really love, really love the game, but obviously basketball is my first love. I still like having a kick when I get home and just going on a local oval or whatever and just, just messing around with mates. But uh, I think we'll leave the, the AFL to professionals. <laughs> um, just a quick one before we let you go. The last time I interviewed you, I asked you where you kept your championship ring without realising that you didn't get it until the first game of this season. So now that you've got it, where are you keeping the ring? Oh, it's in my house somewhere. I don't know where Honestly, sports somewhere, I've hidden it somewhere in the house yeah. in case someone tries to get in there, but uh, yeah, it's, I've had a look at it a couple of times, pretty, pretty blingy, not, uh, not my style exactly to wear out, but <laughs> as far as a mental piece, it'll be, it'll be something that'll sit in the, uh, in the cabinet somewhere with, with a locking key around it. Well, who knows, there may even be another one, depending on how this season goes. Hey mate, uh, you and one management, the great Bruce Cater of course, and Mary are putting together a bit of a sports tour for April next year, which people can get involved with. You get to see the NBA games, some MLB games in California, and you have a championship ring photo session with your good self. Yeah, kind of a unique opportunity that most most people obviously won't won't have experience in their life, so they'll actually get to get to hold it, feel it, put it on. Um, selfie with it, do whatever these cool kids are doing these days, um, <laughs> and yeah, just enjoy it. So it'll be a pretty cool tour. It's in April. Uh, if you want more info, nine six seven six triple nine zero. We can email Mary at omgc dot com dot au. Around a couple of these have been real successful. People have loved it. It's kind of more of an intimate feel, so it's not not like your your general tour with fifty people. It's it's usually a smaller group, and you get some other behind the behind the scenes access as well. So yeah, if you want, if you're interested, uh, check it out. Do so. The NBA champion himself, the Golden State Warriors centre, Andrew Bogut. Always great to catch up. Thanks, mate. All right, all right. Cheers. And one of the regulars of the Hot Breakfast has joined us for summer. It's a very good morning to the Cherry Bars, James Young. Good morning, Seb Lawrence. Fantastic to be here, and I am pumped. What a week it's been. Imagine ACDC were in Melbourne. We got to see him on Sunday and Tuesday. You must have gone, Seb. I went on Tuesday. Yeah, loved it. Rosie oh. and uh, myself were there uh, up in the second level, and uh, it was great. Right from rock or bust at the start through to back in, back in black. You shook me all night long. Thunderstruck, I reckon, got the biggest roar. James the Hound Dog Young, what night were you there? 
I went on both Sunday and Tuesday, right. of course, both nights. Loved it. Um, although I will say I, I did miss Phil Rudd on drums. Um, and basically his life has panned out to be the lyrics of um, Dirty Deeds Done Dirt Cheap. He even <laughs> rang that number when he was organising uh, certain ac- nefarious activities. But I, I want to see one loose unit in the band. Because mm. yeah. I'm, I'm sure if you give him the drumsticks, he's going to perform. So uh, he was missed, as was Malcolm. But I'll tell you a little bit of uh, inside information on ACDC because I've got my spies out there on Monday night the band were unwinding they're down at the um, Bistro Thierry the French Bistro uh, mm. in Malvern Road Turak and, uh, mm. and there's uh, Angus is out the front you know just puffing away he, he just loves the gaspers and my friend said oh how are you and uh, the thing about Angus is because he's Scottish and even though he's sober as a judge you know he answers the question well all I wanted to say was uh, you know can't wait to see you next time I see you on Sunday he said no pressure. <laughs> <laughs> they go inside. They sit down there. There's not a drink on the table with the band. They just sit right. there, enjoy their, their their fine French cuisine, and then uh, they save all their energy, of course, for for the big stage. Well, and we were saying it before. Brian Johnson's 68, and to be you know getting around. Obviously, the voice has taken its toll a little bit, but yeah, it was a really impressive performance on Tuesday. And James, of course, you're a massive ACDC fan. We know because you were one of the campaigners that got Corporation Lane changed. To ACDC Lane. I did indeed. Absolutely uh, love the band. No relation to the Youngs. I, I just wish I were. Uh, unfortunately, Malcolm and Ang, uh, uh, or the band didn't come down to ACDC Lane, but I- I- historically in the past, they sent down their mums, wives, nieces, and sisters. You know, So it's good to know that, that Angus is sitting on the couch going, Mum, James is busting our balls. Can you get down there? <laughs> A few photos in ACDC Lane. But there's plenty more happening across Melbourne, just outside Melbourne, halfway between uh, Geelong and Ballarat is, is Merrill. And it's the famous, it's the 25th um, an, annual Meredith Music Festival this weekend. Starts today, goes through till Sunday. I'll be there. How many have you been to, James? Well, this is in fact my 23rd consecutive Meredith Music Festival. I do absolutely love it. Uh, this year we've got uh, Thurston Moore Band, Shellac, Uncle Acid and the Deadbeats, Goat, Father John Misty. But I think one of the highlights of the festival is that gives the little Melbourne bands a chance to become better known. I'm really keen to see Power, the three-piece, um, who are on at four o'clock this afternoon. But the band that I think will be changed the most from the Melbourne scene is the three-piece Footscray, Western Suburbs, punk band, the Peep Temple. And let's hear a little bit from them now. This song, Carol, is an absolute classic. I don't want to be so sanctimonious. I don't want to be such a negative jerk. But I'm the one who's been helping you through the divorce. Nice work. Oh, great song, The Peep Temple. I cannot cannot wait to see that on Saturday afternoon. great family counselling too. Oh, I don't exactly. think Trevor is good for you. Just the support. <laughs> and they played at Cherry Bar, actually. We said anyone called Carol or Trevor gets in for free. Uh, <laughs> there's not too, not too many of them getting around. But uh, let's Fabulous. continue with a look at the weekend because there's so much on. Tonight we've got uh, the great uh, punk band from America, The Misfits, are playing down at Max Watts. You've also, what, an, what a smorgasbord. You've got Taylor Swift at uh, at the at Amy Pike. You've got Elton John at uh, Rod 
Squad Labor Arena. Smorgasbord. And then down there at the NGV, they're restarting their um, Friday Night Live series, which I love. Dur- during the, it's the start of the 18-week Andy Warhol exhibition, and they've got Moon, Moon Duo, one of the bands playing at Meredith, are playing this Friday night down at the NGV in St Kilda Road, mm. which is lovely. On Saturday, the Models are playing um, playing the Pleasure of Your Company record live at the Flying Saucer in Elstonwick. Who fronts the Models now? Um, it's still Sean, still mm. Sean Kelly, Kelly, and uh, and I know we mentioned earlier that uh, Mick Malloy and Adam Rosenbachs were were at the Comics Lounge, but I notice, uh, great man Lawrence Mooney, that you're down. It's the first ever live performance of um, of Agony Aunts and Uncles, Agony Live at the Yarraville Club with Adam Zwar MCing. We've got Michelle Laurie. Celia Pacola, Sam Pang, and yourself, Lawrence Moon. Yeah, it's a tremendous lineup, and uh, there's two shows: one at five p.m. on Saturday, and the later show at eight thirty. There's still tickets available, I think, for both shows, but not many. So get down there, and uh, yeah, there'll be a bit of stand-up, and then a panel dealing I'll with see. the big questions of life. I understand that the advantage of a live show is they can show some of the uh, some uh, what would you call it that unedited videos from from Agony Aunts and Uncles, and, I, and I've seen one of them that they're planning to screen. Did you know? Lawrence, which features you giving some advice on online porn etiquette and more importantly, how to disguise <laughs> your history. And that was some really interesting insights that haven't made it to ABC. If TV. Lulu hears well, that, you're going to need Peep Temple to come down and do some marital counselling, well, Lawrence. I've always said, uh, this is the advice I give to anyone. If you think your partner is a sexual deviant, go and check their internet history and if there isn't one, they are one. <laughs> I like your advice. So you reckon, and, and how do you disguise your way? Are there certain sites that you can sort of leave to put them like a bit of real, a bit of dome realestate.com and, and a bit of internet banking just, to, just, <laughs> just right. to cover your way. That's right. Oh. Uh, that, uh, is that rhyming slang, a bit of internet banking? <laughs> oh, okay. I think this is a good time to put it into this conversation and save it for the so. Yarraville Club. Christopher Byrne does a great job down there too for him. We're a Collingwood employee. James Young, anyone to leave us on? Well, I just mentioned uh, the Australian Baseball League All-Star Game is happening uh, on Wednesday out at uh, Melbourne Ballpark in Laverton. That's uh, Wednesday the 16th of December from 7.30. And this year they're adding a bit of a musical flavour with three outstanding bands from Melbourne. Sasquatch the Soul Act will be selling, singing the national anthem. The Delta Riggs doing a 45-minute set. And then, uh, if you don't mind, Tim Rogers will be singing um, Take Me Out to the Ball ball Game and even a bit of Neil Diamond's Sweet Caroline in the middle of the seventh innings. Awesome. The seventh inning stretch with a bit of Take Me Out to the Ballpark. Yeah, absolutely yeah. loving it. What more could you want? From the Cherry Bar, James Young, always good to have you on a Friday on Triple M. Have a great Meredith. I certainly shall. Thank you very much, gentlemen. Have a great weekend in Melbourne. Look at that sunshine. Lawrence Mooney, you have a fantastic weekend. You too, Seb. We've made it to the end. It's time for Friday whatever. <laughs> We're out of here. Internet banking. From St Kilda Beach to the MCG to your best mate's barbecue.